Welcome to the Make One Day Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sheena Jean. This podcast is designed to inspire, educate, and empower people to elevate their consciousness and activate their full potential. We share stories, ideas, and resources that support our listeners and their personal and professional growth by hosting meaningful conversations that spark aha moments. Laughing, learning, leveling up, all guaranteed. We'll be hearing from innovative thought leaders, CEOs, professional athletes, best-selling authors, musicians, and more as they share lessons they've learned along the way and ideas that can change the world. So pull up a seat and let's get to it. What's up, friends? <laughs> Welcome back to the Make One Day Happen podcast. I have a very special guest today. It is the one and only Dr. Kate Jones. And I always want to sing some Mike Jones when I hear your name. And I'm not going to right now. However, it could be a good, a good lead in one time. Uh, so <laughs> let me give you a little bit about Dr. Kate Jones. She is a woman of many, many hats. She's a badass. She's one of my favorite humans in real life and on the internet. And she is here to meet you at the intersection of who you are and who you are becoming, which, oof, that hits. Having lived many lives in this lifetime already, from a career in dance and makeup to pursuing a doctorate and unleashing her spiritual abilities, her curiosity of life paved the way for deep and playful conversation. Her dynamic composition of life experiences lends her facilitation to encompass a really wide range. So whether she's providing chiropractic adjustments, intuitive mentorship, movement classes, dance parties, parties, being a wife and mother, speaking on stages, or holding space for whatever emotions need to be released, her presence and care can truly be felt. Deeply feeling her way through the world has equipped her with a powerful skill set to navigate the human experience at its fullest expression. She's currently uh, serving up adjustments and attunements at the Source Chiropractic in Tucson as a chiropractor. She's a lead facilitator for Kairos Training Culture and provides various forms of mentorship and education, both in person and online. So please give a very warm welcome to my friend, Dr. Kate Jones. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh. This feels really good to be in this space together. It really does. I feel like we're just going to journey with all of the conversations that we usually have in my kitchen. <laughs> or folding <laughs> laundry. Or folding laundry, and we're just now recording them. Yeah, I feel like Perfect. we've said probably four or five times now, like, damn it, why were we recording this? Oh. So it's officially time to hit the potty. Um, AKA record a podcast together and so honored yes. to have you here in this space. I would love for you to go ahead and give the listeners just a little, you know, update on who you be, how you got here, maybe a little introduction to some of the different hats that you wear. Cause there's, are you a manifesting yeah. generator? I am. Okay. That makes a whole lot of sense. Whole lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm a manifesting generator Gemini. Oh, even more sense. <laughs> even better yeah. uh, well great yeah give us oh, a little yeah. bit about your story and how you got to yeah. the place that you're at now awesome so where to start where to start so my name is dr kate jones i wasn't always a doctor i was a dancer previous i grew up dancing in studios and competitively and then did my undergraduate um in dance and with like a performance-based focus. So after I graduated, I was performing and in different contemporary companies and I was in Los Angeles. So I was doing the whole audition thing and all that whole side of the world. 
Um, and then when I was, uh, I was with like a touring grant with one of the companies I was in and my roommate at the time, her now husband was really good friends with my now husband, uh, Brett. And so I met him when he was doing prerequisites for chiropractic college when I was in LA and he would come to LA to do these like weekend warrior classes where you do like organic chemistry in eight weeks, but you do an entire semester worth of content. <laughs> wow. It's iconic. So I met him while he would come into town to do those. He was staying with that other friend. And so um, we connected, we started dating, we started dating long distance because he moved up to the Bay to go to chiropractic school. And then after about a year and a half, I, we were like, we're missing out on so much in each other's lives. Like we need to be in the same place. So I was like, let me move up there. The touring grant is finishing and it just felt like good time for shift. So I moved up there. I started working for the chiropractic college in enrollment. I basically was offered two positions on the same day to either take over the entire like Northern California region for outside sales training um, and account management for a cosmetic company that I also worked for or start working in admissions and enrollment at the chiropractic school. And I was like, hmm be in my car all the time or be able to be with my boyfriend <laughs> and be on campus and hang out with all of my friends in the area because they were all also chiropractic <laughs> students. So I went that route. Um, and then about six months into working at the school, I was like, wow, this is really incredible. This feels like the next progression for me um, in my career and where I want to take things. I know you know, I had such reference and understanding and reverence for the body from like an artistry standpoint. And so that was really beautiful to see how that sort of seamlessly folded into learning all about the science and the philosophy and the artistry of chiropractic. And so I started school. Brett's last quarter was my first quarter. Um, went through school. My second quarter, I got pregnant with our son. So I got to do grad school with a baby. And, uh, yeah, that was that's crazy. Nother, and then that's a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, I, don't, I look, I look back, I'm like, how the hell did I do this? And then went finished chiropractic school. I actually got pregnant with our daughter, like six months before I graduated wow. six or seven months before. So I, uh, graduated from chiropractic school, like seven and a half months pregnant. And then, yeah, transitioned into taking care of people at the source. The source has been um, our office that's been open. We started in Oakland. Now we're in Tucson. There's multiple locations and more coming, which is really exciting. And then um, I'm also a lead facilitator for Kairos, which is our seminar company that started with teaching chiropractors and chiropractic students the art of chiropractic and has continued to blossom and grow into really beautiful events and education on health, on healing, on personal development. Um, yeah, so there's a lot there. That's just parts of it. And I'm a mom. We have two amazing kids. They're just funny and wild and insane. And I also work with people one-on-one -on -one too in like different coaching and mentorship containers. And yeah, that's kind of the the quick and dirty of it. I, guess. I love it. And I am so I've never been more grateful for an organization that I actually am not technically a part of than I am for Kairos. Mm. <laughs> right? It's because yeah. without Kairos, like, 
I wouldn't know you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have yeah. been introduced to my own chiropractic journey. And it's through my brother's yeah. journey of being a part of Kairos um, in Davenport mm-hmm. that he's like, you got to go see Darren. And then when I moved from Colorado <laughs> to Arizona, they're like, you got to go see Brett and Kate and Jamal. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll just take all these amazing humans in my life. Sure. I, um, my new it joke, really for all of us. it really has, it really has. My new joke yeah. is that I'm collecting chiropractors like Pokemon cards because <laughs> I just That'd have be tight if we had chiropractic Pokemon cards I mean I'll, I'll plant that seed along with the patches that I also want for all of the source locations so I can start collecting patches for all of the offices that oh, I, I got an idea for that from Kairos too so yes yeah, we should do that patches <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's dive in because there's, I think, uh, a couple of different topics I'd love to hit that we've been in conversation around um, in this last year and just would love to bring to the audience and listeners. And the first one that um, I would say has really been super impactful in my life um, since you've really been speaking to it and have you and Brett have really cemented this idea for me of staying in your prayer and Prayer is something for me that has been a very uh, thing. I have all sorts of um, religious upbringings and conditionings and programmings and traumas uh, in my life in the past. And the word prayer for me has in the past been really a hell no. Uh, And I have really softened into it since my grandfather passed. He was a pastor and prayed for us every day of our lives and recognizing the opportunity that was there for our family to pick up that baton, if you will, the prayer baton, um, was huge. And it came right at the time when I was meeting y'all and, uh, it's just been such an important message in my life. So I would love for you to riff on that a little bit and how you really see them connected as, um, intention as well. Cause intention setting is something I love and do a lot of with my clients. So I'm gonna give you the floor to tell us a little bit about what it means to stay in your prayer. Yeah. So, um, stay in your prayer actually came originally from, I think it was when Brett first went to Sundance. So Brett's a Sundancer with the Lakota and that is one of their like seven most sacred ceremonies. And so we go to that ceremony every year in July. I mean, you guys can learn more about Sundance in whatever way you want, but, um, Google it. It's basically Google it. The the short of it is it's essentially like a, a four day ceremony where traditionally there's no food, no water, and the dancers dance basically from sunrise to sunset. Um, and it's at the height of summer. And, you know, there's different variations and there's it's it's to this day the most in-depth ceremony that I've had the the honor and the privilege to be able to um, support. Um, so all the dancers have different supporters and there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and that saying, I believe was shared with him when he first went and he sort of brought that home. And for whatever reason, that has been like a North star for me in my life. And, um, I continue to come back to those words over and over and over again, because when we think of prayer, it doesn't necessarily have to be prayer in a religious context, right? I was raised Catholic, but my cousins were Jewish. So we celebrated like Christmas and Hanukkah, Passover and (laughs) Easter. Um, So I grew up thinking I was half Jewish. I didn't, my parents were like, you talk to God however you want. And so I think that 
historically people, when they hear the word prayer, they have a very sort of religious context for it. Um, and the way that I've embraced it in my life and sort of the way that we embrace it in our family and the way that we, um, sort of apply it is, you know, it's your intention, it's your focus, it's the energetic field and grid that you're creating around the experience that you are having, that you're wanting to have. And also it can be such, again, a beautiful way to anchor into when shit is hard, you know, or when you have gratitude for something. So the ability to continuously return back to your prayer, what is your prayer? What is your prayer? What is your prayer? What is your intention? What is your focus? And how do we um, continue to keep our sights on that which is important to us, right? Because there's so many different ways that we can be distracted. There's so many different ways that, you know, energies, people, places, things, projects, whatever can be intrusive into our lives, right? But the one thing that I will always come back to is, is this a part of my prayer? And if it's not a part of my prayer, it doesn't need to be a part of my life. So that leads to boundaries and having good boundaries with the ways that you're operating the things that you're consuming the energies that you're around the company that you keep the projects that you're working on i mean i teach a lot on boundaries because i one used to not have as great of them <laughs> so i feel like right here that i understand that a lot of things and so yeah staying in your prayer is just again that way to continuously come back come back to what is most meaningful, come back to what is most important and to sort of keep you on track and focused. I love that so much. There's a couple of things that you said in there and just like right there at the end, right? It's that thing to return to yourself. It's that thing to return to your focus and what's truly most important to you. And I think alignment is such a buzzword right now and funny because it's a pun, obviously, in the chiropractic world. And uh, people are talking about, oh, is that, that's not an alignment with me. And it's like, do you actually know what alignment is for you? And how do you know what's in alignment for you and what's not? It's only, it's only by deciding like, this is what I'm committed to, right? This is my intention of either how I want to show up or the energy that I want to create or whatever. And by declaring that and really returning to it every day, then you have a barometer to find, is this in alignment with me or not? So I love that. And you also spoke to the idea of all the different distractions, right? And having your prayer as that thing that's buffering against you. Like this world is designed for distractions. This world, these systems that we're in, the matrix that we're all plugged into is literally out here designed to keep us distracted from ourselves, from alignment with our souls. And there is just, I'd love for you to go more into boundaries because I think that it's a hot topic in the world right now for good reason. And uh, I think you either just recently had a boundaries workshop or have one coming up. I know you do those regularly and they're incredible. I highly, highly recommend. Um, and I love the way you spin boundaries a little bit too, right? Um, so I'd love for you to give us your definition of boundaries because it's not actually what you might think it is. Mm -hmm. So boundaries, the way that I teach them is there's a difference between having boundaries and guarding, right? So guarding means you're putting up walls and you're pushing things away. Boundaries is you're really allowing yourself to feel more free and have more capacity because you're protecting the shit that matters to you. Mm. Mm. Right? So boundaries don't necessarily, boundaries are more about like, what am I allowing in my experience? And 
I, you know, if that's not for me, it's not for me and that's okay. I don't have any shame, judgment, whatever. Yes, no, right, wrong towards it. It's just, that's not for me and I'm going to keep it pushing. Mm -hmm. So I think that when we get guarded and we put walls up, you know, that can be a big misconception about boundaries is that like, I'm pushing these things away to keep it away from me because I have an energy that I don't want this here. And it's, it elicits something within me. It makes me feel dysregulated. It makes me feel uncomfortable in my body and there's a difference between that kind of energy versus being like, I fucking recognize what that is and I'm not playing that game and I don't have any space, energy or desire to entertain it. Yes. yes. It's so good because I, I feel like as people become more and more aware of triggers, what it is, what's happening in your body physically, what's happening in your mental and energetic body, there is this natural tendency to throw up a boundary because that's really uncomfortable and I don't want to feel that. Yeah. And I know that the situation triggers me. So I'm going to throw up a boundary here. Whereas I think you actually yeah. just posted something about this. Like the, the regulated nervous system is not out here pushing experiences away from you. It's in recognizing yeah. those experiences and inviting them in so that you can actually be with them in a more regulated state. Uh, yeah. tell us more about that because I think it's really important for people to turn this up just a little bit louder and lean in just a little bit closer to make sure you recognize when you're putting up a boundary and when you might be actually pushing something away that's here to teach you something. Totally. And I think that that's also where discernment comes in, right? So something can come into your field, something, an experience or a trigger or whatever. And uh, the post that I did was that you know, a regulated nervous system isn't necessarily a calm nervous system. I think there's also a misconception, especially in the self-development spirituality space, that everything's supposed to be kumbaya all the fucking time. It's not. And I also, I said this in my last workshop too. I was like, I can love everybody, but I don't have to like everybody. And I can be kind to everybody, but I don't have to be nice to everybody. So... I might be perceived as a bitch, but it's just me having a clear boundary based off of discernment. And I don't feel activated about it in any way in my body. I just recognize like, that's not for me, right? So with the nervous system element, part of it is like, when something comes up from you from, uh, you know, when we experience unraveling some of our trauma, or, you know, we have to, we have to cycle it through the body. We have to understand it from a somatic landscape. Right. Because that's how we actually heal and that's how we actually move things through our systems is by understanding not only the energetics of it, but we get a little too mental sometimes. And we're like, I'm going to unwind this thing that happened and I'm going to think, 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 think and boundary, 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 boundary. But you're never actually accessing the soma or the body or moving the energy through. So it's like, what do you you're just continuing to recapitulate these traumatic cycles for yourself because you're never actually feeling what it feels like to feel shame or to feel abandoned or to feel, you know, uh, betrayed or to feel, you know, sadness or grief or whatever it is that comes up. We have to feel it in the body first and recognize it. Now, say there's an experience that happens where you like, we're meant to have feelings, right? We're not, if somebody comes up and tried to like say something disrespectful to one of my children, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, thank you so much. I'd be like, first of all, no, that's not okay. And that might not be like, I'm not in a calm state, but I'm in a resourced state. 
And in my resource state, I'm not outside of, if you look at polyvagal theory, you have your window of tolerance where you're able to sort of navigate the landscape of these different feelings. When you go outside of that window of tolerance is when shit kind of hits the fan. I want to bring it back just a quick moment because I'm geeking out right here with you. And in case some of our listeners are like, Polly, what? And mm. what is what does resourced mean? Polyvagal yes. has to do with your vagus nerve, which is the largest nerve in your body and is really the break, right, for your parasympathetic and your sympathetic states, right? There's a couple other freeze, flight, fawn, all these different states that we go into when we're we have our little emotional buttons pushed. And yes. tell us what you mean by resourced, because I think this is a huge piece about nervous system regulation that not enough people are actually talking about. Yeah. So resourced is in the most simple way to define it. What are your tools? Right. So a nervous system that is resourced, you're able to say, I met with an experience. This is starting to activate me in a certain way. I'm not completely blown out into some dysregulated version of my nervous system. So what is it that I need to do to be with this experience, understand the experience, feel the experience, set an appropriate boundary for the experience without throwing myself into some cascade of my nervous system completely dysregulating. And that can be through different things like, okay, I have the tool of maybe I need to go outside. I need to use my breath. I need to go for a walk. I need to move my body in certain ways. I need to, you know, shake. I need to I need yell. To, I need to I need to, to eat because hangry is a state <laughs> yeah, yeah. that like, will fuck you up if you are not. Am I tired? <laughs> yes. Am I dehydrated? Yes. Food um, and water is honestly such a basic resource that we forget about oh, yeah. and can contribute to so many of our dysregulated states. Oh yeah. I, and I'll, I'll say that regularly too. Like I notice it with our kids, like when they get hangry, especially our daughter, she's like the one who will go off. But even if certain things are happening throughout the day or like things will come up, I'm like, I need a snack before I like have a, an attitude problem. <laughs> yeah. I thought um, carrying <laughs> snacks around was just for moms until I realized I have my own little inner child hangry demon. And I'm oh, like, yeah. I need to have snacks on me at all times. That's just now part yeah. of who I am because I've had far too many um, hangry sessions that other people had to be on the receiving end of. And like, ultimately that's my responsibility. So um, I love that. Thank you. I feel like resource can often um, feel like time or energy or money. And we're actually talking about like the basic necessities, right? Like when you think about taking care of human life, it's food, it's water, it's nature, it's breath. Breath is the number one. If you've got nothing else to go to in yeah. a moment where you're feeling emotionally triggered, Breathe. like drop in and use a big ass belly breath. That's all you can think to remember to mm -hmm. use. Like that will save you time and time again. And it'll continue to bring oh, you back yeah. inside and figure out what else you need to get grounded and resourced in that moment. So I appreciate you going there and really breaking that down for people. Yeah. Yes. I, I think it's important too that like you were saying, it's not all these extra, what does it look like to understand that like you have all of the resources and intelligence within you and that you are part of nature and that you are part of the elements and how can you call upon utilizing your access to those things like the sun mm -hmm. or the earth um, or water, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, 
to be able to kind of simply come back. Like it doesn't necessarily mean like I need to go on a five day retreat to wherever right. in order for me, like, and, and sometimes that is the thing, but, you know, depending on access, availability, um, you know, wherever people are at, it's like you have everything that you need internally. It's just remembering to find the anchors and the ability to tap into those places um, where you can be more present and more uh, grounded. Yeah. And I think there's so much of, you know, what chiropractic has done for me specifically is I have been in a dissociated state most of my life and hypervigilant as fuck. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I am in the past, I have been overly focused on others and their feelings, their needs, their energy, hypersensitive to controlling that around me and not yeah. actually in my body, present in my body. So I don't, I actually didn't know that I was hungry or that I was thirsty or that I was actually tired or that I needed to move my body. There's so much that happens and, yeah. and dissociation is a very common very common experience for those that have experienced trauma in their lives. And there is so much of coming back into your body that chiropractic has given me that's helped me unwind mm. some of these patterns that has helped me find presence, has helped me listen and like take a beat and be like, okay, like what is it that my body needs right now? And this is, these are things that I, I'm just learning in my late thirties. I'm like, oh, this yeah. would have been, this would have been helpful earlier in life and we're here yeah. now. So <laughs> there's that, that's, that's here a way. Um, what other ways would you recommend that people learn how to better resource themselves? Um, I think it starts with the basics. The most basic thing. So some of the things that I teach, I, I, uh, I did a course years ago and I'm actually thinking of replatforming it. I said it out loud. So now I'm going to have to, fucking <laughs> do it. um, it was called selfish and I use that word because it's triggering for people. And I'll, I teach a workshop too on like self-love that's called typically I'll call it selfish, but we really unpack that concept and why people have such a fucking hard time with that word. Um, because it carries a lot of stigma and it brings up a lot of feelings for people. And there's a lot of things that we've been told about it. And again, I think um, something that's really beautiful is being able to define words for what they mean in your life. Um, that was something that one of our mentors taught us um, years ago, Dr. Marvin Talsky. And he's just like a legend and amazing, but he was like, what, what do these words mean for you? Like, what does, what does love mean for you? What does connection mean for you? What does, you know, so I'll bring Prayer, people through right? selfish. All sorts of different things. Means. Totally. But um, I think that course looked at different areas of your life. And so the, the number one thing that you can start to do, especially if you are um, a little bit more cerebral and a little bit in your head and not necessarily in your body, is looking at how do I take inventory, right? So most people love a checklist. They love being able to like tick off different boxes. So a resource that I'll give to people is... Um, First, understanding, you know, what emotion that you're feeling. And sometimes people even having a hard time finding the language for what the emotion is if they haven't been connected to their emotional state. 100%. Um, so I'm going to give this too, but your, your emotions are a downstream effect or a symptom of your needs either being met or not met. Mm. So more favorable emotions or feelings 
more pleasurable things are usually because a need is getting met. Unfavorable, displeasurable, shitty emotions are usually a need that's not being met. That's the most basic way to put it. Um, and you can look at a great resource for that is um, the Center for Nonviolent Communication. You can literally go on their website. You can click on a link and it gives you a list of needs and a list of feelings. So if you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm feeling, go look at a list and you'll read a word. And you'll be like, oh, it's that. And then being able to correlate what does that feeling meet, you know, with a need. So now that I know what the feeling is. Okay, well, what's the need that's not being met? All right, well, if this need is not being met, then what do I need to do in order to get that need to be met? So say I'm feeling frustrated. Maybe my need for recuperation has not been met. So your girl needs a nap. So being able to kind of work backwards. And then also, I think when we when we have these feelings in our bodies, right, we have to feel them. I think the dissociative pattern is to be like, I'm feeling something different than whatever my resting neutral is. I don't like this. Get me out. And while there is a, a, a place for moments of that, being able to at least titrate into your body, feeling what you're feeling will start giving you a reference map of what those things are so that when you're met with it again, you can say, oh, I know the difference between sadness, grief, and depression. I know the difference between frustration, anxiety, and overwhelm. And all of those things have different needs, which inherently have different resources. So maybe the, the anxious feelings need to be resourced with breath. Maybe the overwhelming feelings need to be resourced with going outside and taking a break from work. Maybe the grief feelings need to be resourced with just fucking crying or hug. Love right? a good hug resource. I love a good hug. So the, oh, so good. So the more that we can identify uh, what we're actually experiencing, the more that we can take present inventory of where we're at, the more applicable, potent, and clear your resources will be because you'll know what you're trying to handle. So good. <laughs> I mean, I invite y'all to just like pause and rewind the last five minutes and listen again. <laughs> just offering that. We'll also link to uh, the nonviolent communication link that Kate mentioned because that work is so game changing and super, oh. super helpful. Um, if you haven't, if you're not already familiar with it, so we'll definitely link to that. Uh, mm -hmm. I love, I love where we're at and how this conversation is flowing. We were both recently, uh, climbing out of healing holes <laughs> right around the same oh, yeah. time and <laughs> right. Recognize that one of the things that we needed was to go inward, to take time for ourselves, to be quiet, to listen, to, um, rest to recuperate. We were both in this very similar state. And as we were cr crawling out of our healing holes, it's like, Hey, you okay? You good? Like what you been doing? Healing. You what you been doing? Healing. Healing. <laughs> healing. How are you? And we started talking about the ing phase. There's, I mean, I'm a word nerd. I know you are as well. It sounds like I need to get down on, uh, Martin Tolsky. Is that who it is? Marvin Tolsky. Marvin Tolsky. Papa Marv. 
Uh, Papa Marv. He sounds, uh, he reminds me of one of my mentors, Suzanne Conrad, who is also a word nerd and really got me focused mm -hmm. on how important our language is. It is literally yeah. everything. And we were exploring this idea of the ing, right? And so mm -hmm. being in the ing of something is the idea that you are healing, you are being, you are dealing, you are feeling. There's all of these um, words that are part of the process of healing. I want you to mm -hmm. kind of go off go off sis on how important it is to get out of the ing phase too because i see a lot of people uh yeah. stuck in their stuck in their healing and i truly believe yeah. that a big part of it is all in their language oh for sure i mean the thing is is <laughs> we can be in the processing of something right but sometimes we just continue to extend our suffering by staying in the processing of what's going on versus when you're actually claiming and sort of putting closure to a and again it doesn't necessarily mean that every single layer of that thing is perfectly dealt with cuz you know one of the main things I'll see with clients too is they're like we'll start talking about something or there'll be a new experience that comes up and they're like, I thought I was done with this. I'm like, well, you just unlocked a new layer. So it's okay. And it doesn't, it doesn't negate all of the healing that you've done prior. But if you're always like, I'm healing from this thing, I'm healing from this and healing, I'm healing, I'm healing, I'm ing on all of these different things. Are you, or are you just perpetuating your bullshit? Oh. Because when are you actually gonna, when are you actually going to claim the progress that you've made? Yes. Or are you going to stay in the story that you're broken, that you need to continuously reach out for all of these different things? Or are you actually going to reclaim your power and ground yourself into the new version of yourself? If you're constantly processing, when are you actually completing? And I would even say just complete right? Because completing, complete. completing keeps you in the ings. I hope you all can hear all the ings totally. that are happening right now in her language when intentionally. Have I, when have I completed this task, right? So we can even look at a task list, right? And as simple as like, I'm working on these certain things. Well, when are you checking the box off? Like I did that. I did that. Move on to the next thing. And I love it what might you come back up in a new in a new light or in a new way or in a new consciousness or a new understanding with new lessons, new mirrors, reconfiguration of boundaries. But it again doesn't negate the fact that you've already done so much previous. You don't get to not claim the healed parts of yourself because you're met with a new layer of understanding, recognition and uh depth of self yes it's it's so important what she's saying right now y'all there is a difference between bypassing and being like oh, i'm good right there's yeah. there's that side of things which you definitely want to avoid there is a reality to feeling and being with the thing you cannot work you cannot go around that to find yourself in a healed state however continuously keeping it in your language that I am healing, I am being with, I am processing my trauma, my past, whatever, is going to keep you there. So just recognize once it's time to leave that state and say, I choose to be healed from my trauma. 
I choose high levels of self-worth instead of identifying with my trauma, right? Like there's so many different ways to shift into a present state that's not an action verb, just I am healed. And yes, there might be new things that I get to learn about this along the way as I continue to integrate what I have healed. Because there's a difference. Integration is, is, comes after the healing. Now you have this new identity, yeah. this new way of being that you get to figure out how to do in life as someone who has healed mm-hmm. themselves from something. And I personally feel like integration gets skipped over so much and people just go experience chasing Mm. and they think that that's going to be the fucking thing that fixes stuff for them. 100%. Integration is literally everything. If you can't integrate something that you've learned or an experience that you've had, then you're just going to keep getting that lesson over and over and over again. Just how, well, how just, it works. You're, collect, you're collecting experiences that at that point, you're not actually learning any lessons. Correct. What do you define as integration? Uh, a feeling of completion. Mm. Like this feels, this feels complete. And it can be, this feels complete in this moment. Right. That feels, that feels integrated for right now. This feels complete. Okay, next. Subject. And then we move. Just forward. kidding. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> okay, next subject. Okay, great. We're complete here then. Y'all are gonna uh, have fun chewing on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Integration, people. Integration station. Do not skip it, uh-huh. or skip it, knowing that you'll be you'll be back. You or will be skip back. it, knowing you're gonna have to still do a whole bunch of shit later. Yep. Uh, okay, let's talk about. One of the most exciting things that is coming up very, very soon. Um, Last year, I think I really first met you at Soul Revival, in a sense. I was coming in for adjustments to the source in in Tucson. However, you guys hosted an event called Soul Revival. And I'm picky about my events, about where I'll spend my money, who I'll go learn and listen from. Um, I have worked the event industry and in wellness and yoga and festivals and all of the things I have attended personally. It's like my toxic trait is like, oh, what event am I going to go to this year? What thing am I going to go learn? Mm -hmm. Um, Did I actually (laughs) integrate it yet? Hmm, I'll sit with that. And I was blown away by what you guys did for Soul Revival last year. Like absolutely blown away by the level of um, speakers, by the experiences from the meditations, the breath work, the, all of it. And really excited to hear what you guys are cooking up for this year uh, because we are at a very interesting time in humanity, y'all very interesting. Uh, Jamal and I actually go down a rabbit hole on this on his podcast on the idea that we are literally quite literally standing on our generation is this unique generation that grew up in an analog world and having nothing, no screens in front of us. Yet we also had screens introduced at an early enough season of our lives that we're very good with them. Like we know how to use them. We know how to function with technology. And we're the only generation of humanity that literally had this experience. Our parents before us are kind of like, what's happening with the phone or the interwebs or whatever. And the generation after us has never known life without a screen. And where we're headed as far as Web3, crypto, like everything that's coming for us. Like Ready Player One is on the way, y'all. It's actually already kind of here. And there is (laughs) 
there is an opportunity for us to recognize the massive potential for grounding into what it means to be a human in an artificial world. And I'd love for you to go, go in a little deeper on that with us. So yeah, we're definitely in a weird place where we are the generation that has grown up analog and digital. And I think that we are about to step into another one of those big shifts in the types of technology that are available. And, and we don't necessarily need to fear it. We need to understand it and know how to appropriately work with it, but also be aware of what are these different augmented realities, artificial intelligences, bots, all this other shit, you know, what are they, what are they actually capable of doing? Because um, as Brett mentioned on one of his, you know, group coaching calls for healing codes the other day, he was like, we're facing, you know, an opportunity where people are going to be able to be manipulated far more than they think, right? Through what they see and, you know, what they're hearing. So I think that, it's really important for us to not only understand what are the capabilities of these things, how can you, you know, be able to move about this surgence in technology in a good way to understand where are the appropriate boundaries and how do you interact or not interact with it? And also where are you positioned as valuable as a human? What are the things that you uniquely bring to the table that are not able to be adopted by some fucking robot in a computer? Yes. Because people are going to be searching for human connection too when so many of their interfaces like on a screen or through a phone or, you know, whatever it may be are, I mean, folks are going to be getting catfished left and right. So how do you actually understand what your position is in reality and what your unique value is as a human? Mm. And even though we are needing to step into our embodied experiences, appropriate boundaries, and moving through the somatic recognition of our humanness so that we can have a good um, modulator and a good reference point and a good, you know, sensor for like what is bullshit and what's not. This is like all coming back to being resourced. How are you resourced as a human in a digital world, right? And coming back to that, knowing what tools and resources, what makes you valuable and different than this technology. And that comes back to your energy. These robots, yeah. AI, don't have nervous systems. We do. And that's no. that's the little electromagnetic fields that we emit are the differentiator, right? And so how do you protect that? How do you value that at all costs? And I think that this event is going to be such a game changer in providing that connection, providing tools and resources Mm -hmm. for people, providing um, new ideas and helping people find like what is most important for me. And that could look different for everyone. And there's different tools to resource yourself in that. And so I love that you guys have an opportunity for people to come and experience that together in real life as human humans to humans, um, to be able to carry this back out into a more digital world that we live in. Yeah. And that's why I'm excited about like the speakers and the experiences that we're bringing to it, because, you know, there's going to be movement, there's going to be breath work, there's going to be meditation, there's going to be sound, there's going to be guided experiences. Um, we're working on a cacao ceremony. There's going to be you know, on-site healing facilitators, AKA the chiropractors are going to be lighting people up. You know, we have 
great speakers who are helping you understand how to move through different areas of your life and then create actionable steps for change moving forward, as well as giving you an understanding and insight into what are these things that exist? What should I be aware of? How do I move through it in a good way? And then continuing to go along that journey as a group, as a collective, where you can you can palpably feel the energy in the room. So now you have not only a mental reference point, a feeling reference point, an energetic reference point on how you want to move forward in your life. And then you've got a network too. Like you've got a network of yeah. people that you can reach out to for support that you can lean into sure. when humaning sure. be humaning because it be humaning. And having people that are in the same work, in the same vibration and frequency is so important to find your soul family. It is so important. And I think that's that's for me what I really got last year was like, oh, these are my people. These are my people. Okay, great. Like these are people who understand and are on the, the level. To, to network, to connect, to build community so that you don't feel like you're going through this whole thing on your own. Um, so that, I mean, we're not meant to do life alone. You're meant to do it in community. You're meant to heal in community. And so the more opportunities that we can provide education, experience, and community building, the more we're going to do it. So I'm super excited. I'm in, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Full disclosure, y'all. I'll be doing a future self-sound journey at the event. It's going to be dope, along with so many other facilitators. I'm honored. This is a two-day event. It is in Tucson, Arizona, which is just a beautiful, beautiful place to be, especially in April. Uh, The 29th and the 30th, there is going to be a link in my bio, her bio, in the show notes, all of these things. We are giving y'all a code to save 50 bucks on your ticket. What's the code again? Uh, It's Soul50. Soul50. Yeah. Maybe so, we'll, maybe we'll do something special for make one day happen too. Oh. So read this. The show notes. Okay. So read the show notes. Cause we're going to cook something up for you guys. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Maybe we'll give you a little extra, extra something to sweeten the pot, you know? I love <laughs> it. Okay. So the final question that I, I asked. I love you so much. Oh, I love you too. We do. The final question that I ask everyone on the show, I have a gratitude practice. I usually force it on people when I stay at their house. I might have done that to you and Brett once. (laughs) Um, And I love to hear what's one thing that you are most grateful for in the last 24 hours and like get juicy with it. Don't just be like my kids. Like tell me why it is the thing that you're choosing in this last 24 hours that you're most grateful for. Hmm. The thing that I'm most grateful for in the last 24 hours, the prayer. Why? Because that, regardless of what I'm going through, I know I can always return to it. Mm. And so even in the last 24 hours of being a human and doing all the humaning things and, you know, momming and, and, running businesses and being a wife and a partner and holding space and creating space and cultivating space and helping people through really difficult, challenging things. I'm grateful for the prayer because I know that that's something that continues to bring me back home to myself, continues to keep me guided, protected, and resourced and, um, is an opportunity for me to show my gratitude 
every single day. Thank you so much, Kate. I am so grateful for you, for your wisdom, for your insights, for the service that you have in this world. I'm so excited to be back with you in Tucson in April and look forward to having as many people come join us as possible. It's going to be a party, y'all. Going to be a party. So good. It's not just like, you know, a weekend for development and all this other stuff. We have a real good time. It's a real good time. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Give your family all the hugs and kisses. And I will talk to you so soon. And that's a wrap. We want to hear from you guys. So tag at make one day happen on Instagram and share your biggest aha moment or one thing you can take from this episode and put into action today. If you're ready to go to the next level, I'm currently taking on new one-on-one coaching and team development clients. Head over to www.makeonedayhappen.com to learn more and book a free breakthrough session with me. Your word of mouth is wildly appreciated in helping us share these conversations with the world. I get so many of my podcasts I listen to from my friends' recommendations. So if anything resonated with you today, send it to someone else who you think would like it too. I know that every podcast out there asks you to subscribe and leave a review, and that's because it really helps us get these shows out there. So please go hit that subscribe button, leave us a review. We know you've got a lot of choices when it comes to picking a podcast out there to listen to, so we're so grateful you chose us. Until next time, y'all, peace. This is Sarah Hubbard, host of You and Me Kid, a podcast about starting and raising a family on your own. We just launched season two, and I'm speaking with single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to give you a real sense of what the day-to-day experience of solo parenting looks and feels like. Plus, this season, I've partnered with California Cryobank, the number one sperm bank in the U.S. So wherever you are in the process, this podcast provides some support, humor, and helpful information. Listen to You and Me Kid wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you or your company are looking to jump into the podcast world, now is the time. The Plug Agency is here to connect you to the full power of podcasting. You just record and leave the rest to us. The people are listening and want to hear from you. Theplug-agency.com. That's theplug-agency.com. Click the link in the episode description for an exclusive offer.